Welcome to Amplify. We're the show that will help you take your message, whatever it may be, and get it out through social media, networking, and other marketing channels. Maybe even some that you've never thought of. Whether you're an organization, small or large business, or you just have the next positive message that's sure to go viral, you'll want to stay tuned this hour. Now, here's your host, Ken Rashawn. Welcome, welcome. Ken Rashawn in Washington, D.C. A nice, beautiful day after all this crazy winter weather. I'm sure it's a lot warmer where some of my guests are, so they know where they're living and they know why they're living there. So I'm so excited about this show because this is about celebrating International Women's Day. And International Women's Day is a tribute to all women that cause powerful, inspirational messages as well as purpose-driven lives. And Sharon, you and I have had some conversations about how precious life is, and we have a theme song we'd like to start with. So before we have you brought on, let's hear that lovely song. that music is a universal language and a smile is a universal expression. And so you are, you are certainly a person that brings light to the world because you celebrate heroes, you celebrate leadership, you celebrate people that are living an outlier life that maybe even they pinch themselves and say, wow, it happened. But it doesn't happen overnight. It happens because we're purpose-driven. So Sharon, I've worked with you on some of the coolest events, some of the biggest events, and I've always said, whatever my schedule is, if it's open for Sharon, I want to make sure I'm there for her. Oh. Well, I appreciate that, Ken. We um, we we enjoy having you, and uh, you do bring a lot of ec- uh, an extra smile to the event, that's for sure. I, I recall one, uh, one of our, our events that we did in San Diego a few years back, and it was, um, it was the International Day uh, San Diego, and when I when I started to put together these events, I realized that the military women had never had any kind of celebration 
for women in the military. Oh. So I, I've got the biggest event and uh, I, uh, the biggest event wasn't big enough. So then I brought in a huge tent, which it, it held over 350 people. And I thought, okay, this is big enough. It, I won't sell this out. Well, as it turned out that I ended up selling it out, we had people, uh, I mean, in the background, not underneath the tent, but we honored women that were Korean, World War One, World War Two, and World War Three. Um, the the women, the youngest was ninety nine, and they got up and they were dancing, they were celebrating. And we had some of the coolest pics from these ladies, and they were the happiest. You know, and it, it really warmed my heart that um, we had an opportunity to honor them. Um, because you never know at 99, um, you don't want to wait a year because you never know if they're going to be around that next year. And that was a really special um, International Women's Day. And Ken was there to capture all of that as well. So that's exciting. Um, just going back to the song a little bit. The song, uh, My Hero, You're My Hero, uh, was written and produced by a gentleman that's going to be part of International Women's Day. And he wrote this song um, and, and, and he gave it to us to use as our theme song for this year's International Women's Day. And I found it f so fitting because it really talks about women and how much um how much we do in our lives i mean we're constantly being the you know the the mother the you know the wife the businesswoman and then going out and making a difference to those uh in the world and so you know i thought it would be appropriate to do that with and then you know as i started to assemble this year's international women's day all these amazing women kept popping up and I'm like, yep, that's who we need to bring in. You know, it's funny when you start a project, how the women just show up and they're the right ones that show up. You know, the, the ones that you remember, like I met Ava many years ago, many, many years ago. And when she was, um, when she had her event, I went to her event and that was probably I would say maybe seven, eight years ago that I went to her first event and met her there. And look at how things have come full circle. Oh. Um, it's funny, but I went to church uh, this Sunday and I heard about um, in the welcoming, it was about don't be afraid to be a change in the world. Don't be afraid to be the person that steps into the fact that you could actually change the world. And I look at you, I, and, and the reason I'm such an advocate of you and a fan of you is because you remind me of my mom, is that anything's possible. And I pulled my son over the other day. We saw uh, um, this this cube that was for donating, okay, donating. And I, I want to read this to you real quick. It says, it says, close drop off. And I, I want to read this to you because it reminds me of you, Sharon. It says, our contributions making a difference. One million tons of unused clothes kept out of U.S landfills, creating jobs and global development. And this is only one day ago, just so we're clear. This is only yesterday. Uh, $58 million donated to hundreds of sustainable de uh, development projects around the world. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because I taught my son, I stopped him and I said, I want you to read everything in this cube. I want you to understand that someone had a vision. 
someone thought of this idea and without them thinking of this idea, this cube does not exist and the solution does not exist. And why I love you, Sharon, and I mean that with all my heart, mm-hmm. is you remind me of my mom who had an unbelievable optimism. I mean, it, it was insane optimism that I could be anything I want to be. And if you don't have a mom that believes in you at that level, you don't become the person that you can be. So I'm elated that the next four weeks will be honoring women that are going to be at your event that you can meet, you can shake hands, you can hug and you can thank, and you can actually support that they're doing big things in the world. So, I, and, and by the way, for the audience, Sharon says, I don't want to be on the show much. I want to just <laughs> say my vision and I want it to be all about my guests. So I just want to say, I can't allow that for just a little bit, just a little bit, because you remind me of my mom. I appreciate that. And I appreciate the fact that you're uh, you know, going to be there again this year um, so that you get to um, interact with these amazing women, because I know that you are going to go on and do some other amazing things with each one of them. And that's the exciting part is, you know, having those individuals, uh, those like minds come together and then you get to see what they get to go off and do together. Mm-hmm. To change and, the world. Yes, exactly. And, you know, there are people that will say that one person believed in me. And because one person believed in me, I did change the world. And so I just want to say, that's my mom. But my mom, if she didn't believe in me, I couldn't be on this call with you guys. There's no way. Because yes. my, my dad was not a mean person. He just wasn't a believer that anything is possible. He was a conservative. He was a very, he calls himself a realist. I would argue it as a pessimist. But my point is, you need an optimist in your life that you can change the world because otherwise you don't believe it's possible. And it was a very interesting conversation at church. It was, if you think you can't change the world, you're wrong. It is an, a powerful yes that you can just step into that power. So with that said, Sharon, anything else you want to add about the Oh, let, let's talk about that's the event. That's one of the reasons why I started the Women's Empowerment Summit and the International Women's Day is to, you know, know that they can make a difference in the world, not only for, not for the honorees, but for those young women that show up. You know, when we did the military um, International Women's Day, there was all these young girls that showed up. Mm, yes. They were, you know, in their 20s and just been enlisted into the military. And, you know, there were groups of them, like they brought in, bu- the military brought in busloads of these girls. Mm-hmm. And just to watch those buses show up, I mean, it really made me tear up just to see all these young leaders that are stepping off that bus for the first time. And this was their first event that they got to go to. What an amazing experience for them to meet these veterans who were World War II and Korean War fighters. These are are women that were in the planes fighting for our country. Where else could you go to do that? But San Diego, but now Los Angeles, it's going to be a different thing. We've got some really amazing things planned and we've collaborated with, you know, some amazing partners. And one of the things that I want to tell your audience today is if you can't make it to this event, we're going to have this online and don't delay about this. We have something. I'm not going to explain the whole thing today, but I want to tell you about the Astra experience. And the Astra experience is going to be open up for 51 women. 
And as the weeks go on here, I'm going to release more and more about the Astro experience. And I'll I'll give Ken a little it's uh, inserts of what that Astro experience is, so that we can get more people interested in. And we'll have an online um, presence that day, so that if you can't get to the event, you can still be part of that um, experience. And it's going to be something that's going to be very cool. And um, and I think there's going to be a lot of uh, women that are going to want to be part of that. Why what is it? I think it's amazing. I'm I'm so excited about this project. So why is it called Astra? It means to the stars. Yes, it does, and that's the theme of the event. Yep, to the stars. Um, and so, you know, we want to make sure that women are again taking their platforms and bringing it to the next level. How do you bring someone that has done so much in the world to the next level? How do you excel those? that want to bring it to the next level. So how do people meet our amazing guests, Abe and Catherine? How do they get a ticket? Okay, um, we, we have, I think we sent you off um, a poster um, with um, the QR code on that. Yeah, we'll uh, add, I just want to give you the daytime and uh, website that they can buy. Go ahead and give that. Um, the, the, well, I, the uh, website is uh, www. Um, Women's Empowerment Summit.org. You can go on there and there's a, a link on there as well. It's um, the date is March 8th, uh, which is Friday, March 8th. It starts at five o'clock. So this beautiful location in Hollywood called the Taglian Center. And we'll from five to, to five to six thirty, we'll have hors d'oeuvres and drinks served with a beautiful happy hour. Um a red carpet, and that's actually not a red carpet, something very different, uh, a different color, which Ava will like because she's got a little color in her background there. And then we'll have some music. And then at 6.30, we'll start the show promptly. And we've got some amazing people. Over the next month, you'll meet some of those honorees, um, people that are participating, like Catherine, um, over the next month. So one of my favorite quotes in the world is a quote by Charlie Tremendous Jones. And he says, the difference between where you are today and where you'll be five years from now are the books you read and the people you meet. So I will say, if you go to Sharon's event, you will meet people that will change your life. You will change your trajectory and you will become one of the people that you see there if you desire, because they will mentor and support your power as well. So Sharon, thank you so much. Thank you so much. So uh, Catherine did put the link in. We, we'll repost that link in the uh, show. So right. Catherine, I, I have some bad news for you. It's, it's horrible. But you have a K name and Ava has an A name. And we usually go in order of the name. <laughs> <laughs> so Ava, um, thank you for sending me your book. And Catherine, I know you're an author as well. And I do, uh, I do intend to obviously not only read your book, but to show it off in the future as well as get photos at the event. So Thank you so much, Sharon, for creating this event, but more importantly, for having all these connections happen for the, the, the world. I mean, the world is actually going to be juiced with all these people that actually said, I see possibility in the world. I see that I can make a change in the world, and I do. So, Ava, amazing book. Wow. Thank you. And, and by the way, uh, Catherine, since you know that uh, being an author is kind of expensive, the book is in color. Ooh. 
Yeah, I know. It, I mean, that's that's commitment on another level because that's about three times more expensive. So whenever I see a book that's in color, I can't I can't stop and look at every single page because as a publisher, I know the commitment that you have to make. You're like, okay. And by the way, I don't know what you're selling the book for, but um, Ava, what are you selling the book for? The book, I'm sorry. I'm just trying to take care of my dog so they don't bark. Way, is that a Rolling Stones? Uh, is that Rolling Stones on you? Uh, yeah, it is. Okay. <laughs> so, so this book, how much do you sell? The book's on Amazon. It was published by Pygmalion Publishing. We're in the process of hopefully turning it into a docu-series at the moment. Mm. And um, it's available again on Amazon. Uh, it was written with my friend KB Hill, Tina Hill. Uh, she basically wrote it and with me. So she's not here today. But um, the book's for sale for $25 on Amazon. And by the way, um, I, I will say this to Catherine because I do want to get a, a nod because she's been so patient and, and awaiting. So I do want to say this. Isn't it funny, Catherine, that a book can be $20 or $25 or $30 and it can change your life. You could actually have it change the trajectory and cause you to add a zero to your income that you could be making ninety thousand. You're now making nine hundred thousand because a book actually caused it. Am I right, Catherine? Absolutely. So, um, and we're going to be talking about your book, but I just want to say that because this is—I've done a color book before, and it is a huge commitment and cost. <laughs> it's not—it is not cheap to do. So, um, there are so many photos that edify that the story is about these people and that they are worthy of actually that. I mean, it is a very small percentage of people that will say put the whole book in color it is really a small percentage and i know that because publishing books it is so much more expensive so ava what caused you to make this book uh well 15 years ago um i was a perfectly healthy businesswoman and mother i had been a professional dancer i had a black belt in taekwondo i was strong and fit um but it all started with a rash i had a rash that um, was really intense. I went to the dermatologist, you know, I'm really on top of my health. And for three months, I was told that I had psoriasis. Do you wanna share um, either one of two things, either how long ago that was or your age, either one? Okay, that was 15 years ago. Um, and I am 74. <laughs> I know you're going to say no. Um, you know, I was a dancer, you know, we're we're dancers and that's my soul and that's what keeps me going and I still take class and I can still do a split, but I had I had a rare autoimmune disease called dermatitis that uh destroys your muscles, but it starts with a rash and within a period of 3 months I went from taking dance class every day to needing a walker. I was on my way to get a muscle biopsy when I fell unconscious, was rushed to the hospital and put on life support. Fortunately, I live in LA and I happen to live 10 minutes from Cedar sinai So that's where I ended up. And um, the only thing that would save my life would be a new heart, believe it or not. This is like in three months, I went from being, you know, strong and fit to not being able to walk. And then I was dead. Um, so I was put on life support and they decided to list me for a heart because they'd never seen this disease destroy a heart before. So you're 59. I was 59. Well, I was 58 
and I received my heart on my 59th birthday. So this February 21st, this February 21st, I'll be 74. I'm really only 73. And um, it will be 15 years that I received the gift of life because someone said yes to donation. Were you able to say thank you to them? I have tried. Uh, My donor family has not chosen to meet me, which I totally understand. It's, it's, It's being humble. Yeah, I thank my donor family every day. And I started, okay, well, let me backtrack for a second. So they put me on the list and in 10 days I received the gift of life. I was never expected to live. Even after they gave me the heart, I wasn't expected to live. And so they put me in induced coma for two months. And as I was coming out of the coma, I realized that I was trapped in my own body, that I couldn't move. I couldn't, I couldn't even wiggle a finger. I couldn't shake my head and I had no voice. And I was really aware of the situation I was in. I heard people saying that I had received a heart, but that didn't really sink in. What, what was my reality was that I couldn't move. And all of a sudden I saw this incredible light. And so I started moving towards the light and I thanked my higher power or God, whatever you choose to believe in, for the incredible life that I had. And I truly was ready to let go and just go. And then I smelled my 11-year-old daughter Jade's dirty hair. She used to ride horses and it smelled like the barn where she, you know, used to ride. And I realized then that I couldn't leave her. And so my daughter really brought me back. And then be- began my very, very long journey of rehabbing. So and how old was your daughter? She was 11. So really a, a, a young child yearning to have her mom back. Yes. And I was in the middle of a divorce. Mm-hmm. It's so- like every, everything that could happen happened while I was dead. Okay. Of course, I lost my home. I lost my fortune. My family stole from me. My business partner stole from me. And um, I literally. It was a vulture situation. Yeah. So you weren't expected to live. And so everyone was like, how can I get mine? And not exactly the way to support someone that they care about and love. Um, So the rash, 58 years old, didn't seem like much. And you didn't feel much. But was it stress-induced? I mean, all this stuff was happening to you at the same time. Was Did the stress cause it? No. I was told that it's not stress-induced. I definitely was stressed, but I was working on um, a big project about teen obesity at the time. And, you know, I I just keep going until it became debilitating that I couldn't. And um, so when, when... when I left the hospital in four months, um, I, I had my life and my child and the promise that I made to God, because when I decided not to follow the light, I made a promise to God that if he let me come back to being Jade's mom the way I was before, I would spend the rest of my life giving back. And I didn't know what that would look like, but I have fulfilled my promise to God. I can say that. So... A miracle of a book by a miracle of an author. And I just want to say two quick things before we go to break. First of all, that um, I'm very touched. Obviously, anyone that hears this is touched and moved. But 
my brother, unfortunately, at uh, age 55, did pass from a different type of ALS type of situation. And this oh, was, I'm so sorry. and so I, I do feel the, the crumbling of power, the crumbling of muscle, the crumbling of actually being in control. And he decided that it was not a way to live. And so he exited out, but it wasn't his heart. And so I, I feel, I feel you're on a, a level that I wouldn't have another year. And so mm-hmm. what, what, do you think, what do you think caused? Um, the, they, I mean, don't know, they don't know what causes it. And the interesting thing about it is some people get it and they never get to that point and they're on medication forever. Um, and it is an autoimmune, so you know they say it could come back. But I haven't, I haven't had any reoccurrences or anything. And I think that's because I'm fulfilling my promise. I started a nonprofit called Avis Heart, and we provide no cost post transplant housing to transplant patients who otherwise wouldn't be able to get listed because unless you can prove that you have housing near a transplant center, you can't get listed for a heart. And 35% of all the transplants in the United States are done in Los Angeles. That's amazing. So what a miracle it is that you were close to a hospital that could actually treat you and cause you to be the miracle you are today. So we're going to go to break and I do, and we're going to come back to you. And then we're going to have Catherine share her story, her message that she's bringing to the International Women's Conference event. All right. So this is brought to you by Perfect Publishing, the Keep Smiling Movement, and of course, Ava's Heart, because Ava, you've been adopted as a sponsor for the day. And the and Sharon Doyle's international conference that's happening on March eighth. We'll be back in about a minute. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. The Umbrella Syndicate amplifies good causes, good people, and good messages. They offer a suite of services that help people and businesses gain better exposure. Through working with the Umbrella Syndicate, you gain the ability to reach an audience of 50,000 unique people a week. They have recently reached over 20,000 followers on Facebook. You can view their photography and how they use it as a strong promotional tool on their Facebook fan page, facebook.com slash The Umbrella Syndicate. Show them your support by liking their page. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. This is Amplify. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. 
472-5790. We also would love to hear from you via email to info at theumbrellasyndicate.com. Now, back to Amplify. Welcome back. Welcome back. The Key Smiling Movement is alive and well. We are going to be capturing smiles of women that bring lots of positivity, smiles, and more importantly, inspiration that you can do anything you want to in life. And by the way, I think the word I would use, and um, men that are touched by women understand the power of nurturing. And I just want to say that I went to the bank conference uh, probably about a week ago in Las Vegas, and they teach you B-A-N-K, Blueprint, Action, Nurturing, Knowledge. And I want to say, for me, the most important thing for me is I hear someone that cares about me and nurturing is part of it. And you can hear that in the show right now. If it wasn't for Sharon Doyle caring, there would not be an event. If it wasn't about caring, there wouldn't be the guests that are showing up every single week for the next five weeks. This book, Ava, I just want to tell you, after hearing you, we are going to turn up the volume on this cover because you are not just a miracle, you are a massive inspiration and anything's possible. I mean, I after hearing that, I'm like, wow, I'm talking to someone that actually is a miracle, real miracle. So why Shark Heart? Why did you come up with that title? Well, my friend Tina was with me um, the whole time in the hospital. And what inspired me to want to write the book with her was she she's a published author. She wrote a, a monologue, I call it, you know, I was in the business, a monologue about what I felt like when I was waking up. And she gave it to me just a few years ago. And I read it. It's the prologue of the book, by the way. And it blew my mind. And I said, how did you know that that's how I was feeling? And so she said, I just know you, you know, I just know you. And so I said, well, I said, we should write a book. That's my friend, CJ. He had two heart transplants. And so she said, okay, let's, let's tell your story. I said, well, I don't want it to just be my story. I want it to be about, uh, you know, the other transplant patients and the people in this world, people don't know about transplant. You know, it's not like cancer. Everybody has a friend. And so, um, it's my story interwoven with um, many stories of other transplant recipients, um, some doctors and transplant coordinators, nurses, and some donor families. Because yeah. without, without the donor, there's no story. Eva, I, I want to ask you this question. Catherine, can I put you on the spot? You seem like the kind of person I can do that, right? Sure. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So we're not going to evaluate the cover. Okay. Not that part. Um, you can make that mention voluntarily, but what I'm putting you on the spot on is she has all these miracles in this book. To me, if those miracles have a voice, they go on the front cover in small print so that every single voice and that every voice has a contact information so they can actually inspire other people. And so when, when someone's, wow. so I just want to say this, Ava, this is really big. I'm a, I'm a marketer. I'm a guerrilla marketer. But my point is when I hear someone say, I live my life because of my son or my daughter or whatever they say. I always say, say their name. Because to say they are a, a pronoun that it doesn't tell who they are. If I was, if my dad was famous and he says, yeah, my son's great. I would say, and where's my name? I would lean in. Where's my name? So your daughter. Jade. I always say Jade's name. I know you did. No, that's my point. I didn't have to ask you. You said it. And you know how she feels every time she hears it? She feels that she she was part of the reason that you lived. It's very important. And so I say that you have all these miracles. I, I looked at them all. There's, there's tons of miracles in here. My point is, I see Shark Heart, and that might be the title. It might not be. But 
I want to show you a couple of the covers just for fun. This is, and by the way, Sharon, I'm inviting all these people to the event. This woman, Desiree Cruz, has assembled roughly 15 women that are warrior women, and she's staying thematic with the holding hands and, and being powerful together. This is one of the, my favorite books of all time, and she's going to be at the event, and Sharon invited her. Her name is Dr. Michelle Mraz. She's an amazing singer, and she assembled all these women, and the subtitle, Women of Grit Share Stories of Resilience. And I say this from a standpoint that this cover tells I, me. Yes? Go ahead, Aaron. I, I want to show you. We had a different cover. I'm going to get yeah, it. Please. Okay, she's going to get it. And by the way, Ava's heart. Um, let's see if I can give a website here. Do we have anything? So if you can look up Ava avasheart.org, you'll be able to connect with her. And she uh, says, please consider donating today. What I love about Ava is she made sure she had a page in the back of the book that allows the author to connect to the reader. I can't tell you how many times authors forget that they are a conduit to the next step of how do I actually connect? How do I support? So go, Ava, you're going to have to hold it close to your body. Okay. Okay. Now, now rise a little bit so that you can see. Okay. There we go. So my, my comment as a marketer, a designer, is that the, the cover's dark and I see only light. This has more promise to it, but it's too verbage, too much verbiage. And um, I, I almost want to see the heart show up in the fact that you are saved by a heart. And this is this is me talking to you as just, I would go to... Um, you know what? I agree with you. Okay. Well, go I to... Agree. So what we do is we do four covers and we have the, the world voter in it. And I tell, the, I tell the author before I even represent them, I say, are you willing to say you're wrong? Are you willing to say that it doesn't matter as long as the world's happy? Because when oh, the yes. world like this, they're saying, I would buy this. If they say they don't like it, they're saying they won't buy it. That's actually the code for it. So um, I want to have it end with one last thing. How has Sharon impacted your life? How did you meet her? And if you could keep that down to just two minutes. I met Sharon. I think it was through Jai Jackson, wasn't it, Sharon? Um, it is she, actually from um, Bob. Um, oh, Bob Delgado. Bob Delgado. Right. Okay. Okay. Now, Bob Delgado is a photographer who I met through my friend Carla Gordy Bristol, and he shoots a lot of events. And so he was the photographer at all of my events except the last two because his wife, by the way, had a heart transplant recently. Um, But he, I guess, brought Sharon to the event and it was my very first event. I think we did it at the Avalon Theater. Yep. It was your first event. Right. And then the second and third, we did it at Taglione, which is where this event is. And that's my favorite place. So that's a wonderful thing. Um, and we we just met briefly, and then I met Carmelita, who is a friend of yours, who kind of hooked us up for this event through my friend Jai Jackson. Awesome. So it's kind of people connecting. And, so the- and one of the things I didn't mention earlier, Ken, is that Ava, you know, every year when I do my women's um, events, I select different charities that we are going to support. Um, And so Ava's Heart is going to be one of the charities that we will be supporting this year um, for International Women's Day. So to rush rush this question, is there anything else, Sharon? No, that's it. Okay, to rush to go to our amazing Catherine, I just want to have a feeling of 
how important it is to go to events, how important it is to have relationships, how important it is to have a photographer that actually shows up as a friend and shows up that they're there to support market and be a cause for you. And I know what it means to have um, a philanthropic heart and attract people that actually are the right people that are going to push it out for you. So Ava, congratulations. I look forward to meeting you. Thank um, you. I look forward. So you're going to be there, right? We'll be there. Yep. Okay, great. Uh, Darren Doyle and I have had uh, almost a couple hours just talking about all the intricacies of how I'm going to support the event. I've been to her events before. So, uh, by the way, um, one of my favorite things about Sharon is she caused um, Frank Shankowitz, who did Wishman, um, to be a star and Greg, Dr. Greg Reed to be a star in, in Las Vegas. And I just want to say, when she did those things, I knew I had to work with her and for her and any way I could support her. So, yeah, um, many, got- many people might not know. Frank Shankowitz was the founder of Make-A-Wish Foundation. I know that. Okay. 500,000 wishes, average of $7,000 per wish. And he said this magical line that I believe is true to not just a Hollywood spin, but he says, if I can do this, anybody can. Well, that's, that's beautiful. You know, we've, I- we've helped some children who have had heart transplants who, you know, are from out of the state a little baby from Las Vegas and a few of the kids have been so sick that they were make a wish kids and they got to make a wish. Fortunately, they ended up getting a heart so they didn't end up dying and they got to experience the make a wish. It's amazing. So Ava uh, and uh, Sharon, we're going to move to Catherine because we want to make sure there's enough time to really share her genius and brilliance. And I I say when Frank stood up in a room and said, I'm, I am, uh, and he didn't even do it. He did it humbly. Someone would raise their hand and stand up and say, I was a wish kid. And the whole room would melt because to be a wish kid means you had your life saved. So Catherine, um, wow, what a beautiful story. I wanted to give you a chance to comment on anything you've heard. So first of all, comment on Sharon and then also comment on Ava, what you heard. Yeah, well, first of all, we'll just start with you, Ava, and just your incredible journey and what a spectacular story. How often, you know, you try to advocate for yourself and the health professionals you're talking to don't even see what what needs to be seen and end up missing it. And what a miracle it was that you were even, you know, found in time that they could catch you and then that you could get that beautiful heart that saved your life and turn it into a journey. Right. Sometimes the worst things are the best things. Yes. <laughs> I just love that. You know, when people take that perspective, right? Well, you have to. I mean, you just you have to. Oh, you no, know, Ava, you don't. That's that's actually the compliment Catherine's giving you is that oh. most people don't. And so she's yeah. actually giving the extraordinary compliment that you embraced it and you caused it. Thank you. Yeah, because oh, yeah. I, I agree. You know, unfortunately, if everybody did, then everything would be a miracle. Everything oh. would be a blessing. And there's no other way to look at it. However, other people don't always look at it that way. So every time we find that we can find it in ourselves, we give someone else the inspiration that they can find it in themselves too, to make you know, the thing the best thing. You know, Catherine, it reminds me of the quote by Mother Teresa, if we all swept our own front porch, we'd have a clean world. Uh, yeah, so, no, it's absolutely Ava, Ava you're, you are the hero with the heart and, and Sharon is the one acknowledging you for that. And that's why you're Thank at the you, other Sharon. Thank so you. I have, I have a, a lot to me, really. So we'll finish with how Sharon and you met, but I want to ask you this question, Catherine. What was the thing that caused you to be your greatness? So, yeah, often, you know, similar. Um, really, my brother died by suicide when I was in high school. 
And that okay. one event has really been the arc for my entire like journey and what it gives me the purpose and why I do what I do, which is I built a conscious parenting revolution to support parents to realize that when there are breakdowns in their relationships, there's something they can do about it. Mm-hmm. And interestingly, I met a man at a hardware store a couple of weeks ago, and um, he opened his heart up and started telling me about how his daughter had made up that he, she'd had a bad childhood. And as I listened to his heartbreaking story, I just gave him space to be with what was going on for him and provide some empathy. But I wanted to say, you know, there's something both of you, right, can do to change this. And that's really what I want to be, is that bridge to let everybody know that just because you have a child who now speaks up, it means they're safe enough to tell you what was really going on for them and what their experience was in childhood. And that you can get your feelings hurt as a parent and be so hurt that you just don't think that there's any validity to the child's perspective. But I'm here to say children are people too. So I'm going to... Voices matter. And then when we open up, we get to listen and we get to learn and they get to be our teachers. And it's nothing to be ashamed of. It's nothing that we have to be embarrassed about. But if we can just be humble about the fact that our children have something to share and give them a space to share it. So I I have a question that I'm just burning ass and I have not read your book and I'm eager to read your book. And so uh, I know it's on Amazon. It's a Kindle version, if I recall. Mm-hmm. And so I, I want to ask, um, gosh, I hope I'm in okay waters with you, Catherine. <laughs> so, sure, go ahead. There's, I'm in okay so, go. so number one, so sorry about your brother passing and that he took his life. And I, I, I say that from a standpoint that I couldn't imagine if I lost my son for that reason. Uh, he's written 12 books. I always try and do everything wow. I can to support him and tell him I love him and that I'm proud of him. So the two questions I have for you is, uh, and well, one one's more of a point. Your brother, because he took his life, caused you to be who you are. And so you're an advocate for the the gap that people can have in communicating with their children effectively that it could cause them to actually be powerful. Not just forget about taking their life, but to be powerful in the world. And the second thing is, can you just share what might have caused the uh, the suicide? Sure. No, I'm happy to. There was a really, my father was a stepfather to my brother. And I think that he never felt like he belonged. And they had a lot of conflict in their relationship. And my dad was an older father. So he was 15 years older than my mother. And he was born in 1915, just to give you an idea of how old school he was. And he was so kind of he's Kind of world exactly right so he he perceived what i call the tragic expression of the unmet needs the behaviors of children that make us feel upset and embarrassed as adults hmm. that are usually socially unacceptable that we think we need to punish and discipline and get them in line those were actually signaling behaviors that this was a child who was suffering and really having a hard time finding his ground and what he really needed was an embrace he needed love he needed a hug And unfortunately, the tragic expression of the unmet needs for most families is perceived as something that needs to be disciplined and punished in order for them to behave. When actually what's going on here is somebody who is out of control and they need a a parent who can co-regulate with them and they need to know that, you know, they can be falling apart and still lovable. Yeah, because there's not one. We need to change the narrative is is the bottom line. We need to change the narrative around falling apart behavior. And that's across the spectrum with children and adults as well, as I'm sure you can imagine. But the tragic expression of the unmet needs are people who are truly unable to meet their needs 
and they are falling apart in ways that are socially unacceptable, hard to be around, and that we want to punish. Yeah, this the work you're doing is uh, not just life saving; it's it's enriching to have life. And I I had something happen today. My son would kill me if I share this with the the audience. But I'm going to share it because when I share this, you're going to see why I I can hear you and relate to you and embrace what you're doing. So. I did my workout this morning. I came back to the house and I sat down to um, use the bathroom and I sat and pee. And it's because my son didn't put the seat up. Oh, no. Down. And he doesn't ever do this. He's never done this before. He's 10 years old. He's a, he's a smart kid. And I said, Kenny, did you leave the seat down and pee? And he says, I'm sorry, daddy. I said, the bigger problem is you didn't clean it up. And I said, you're cleaning all the toilets today. You're cleaning all the toilets in the house. And I said, he says, I don't want to clean the one in the basement because that one is infected. I said, okay, I'll clean that one to show you how to clean a toilet. And my point is, I didn't want to punish him. I want him to understand you have to keep the toilet clean for everybody to use. And so I said, next time you do this, it'll be, you get to clean toilets for 30 days. And my point is, I'm sharing this vulnerably, but I'm also asking you, um, he, he said, I will, I'll be happy to do it because I see that you're doing it with me. Hmm. Nice. Yeah. And that's so beautiful because really, if you want children to begin to take on more and more responsibility or begin to feel like they're empowered to do it, do it with them. Right. Right. Do it with them. So it really is about collaboration and support rather than punitive about rewards and punishments. And then I, a lot of my movement is built around this very concept of, if you want children to be self-started behavioral change, for them to have it within themselves to make the changes that we want them to have, you can't reward and punish them. Right. Because in rewards and punishments creates an external locus of causality. And what we want children to do is to change their behavior because they choose it, not because of what's going to happen to them if they don't. Very good. So, so I have a question for you. Uh, I tell my son, uh, I, I ask him, you want to have a, a, a son, you want to have a children. And he says, yes. I said, how would you feel if you were the parent and you're trying to have them do things that are going to cause them to be more powerful or more respect in the family? And so give some guidance there, please, if you would, on how to have your children feel like they're part of the leadership. Well, I believe the way for your children to feel as though they're part of the leadership is to let them have the lead. <laughs> Collaborative problem solving is the ability to set the platform where we work together to find solutions to the problems that are being identified, let's say by the parent. So some parents impose a solution on a child and say, this is what's going to happen if you don't do blah, blah, blah in order to resolve this problem. So a couple of things are going on here. First of all, 75% of behavioral disruptions are a result of power being used over someone. And we call them the three R's, retaliation, rebellion, and resistance. So if you want to eliminate retaliation, rebellion, and resistance in your relationship with your children, stop using power over them. And so that's the elimination of the structure that says, do as you're told, because I said so, one, two, three, magic. If you don't, this is what's going to happen to you. That whole paradigm is actually activating a whole bunch of what we call secondary problems. So sticking to the primary problem, they forgot to pick up the toilet seat. They don't pick up their dirty clothes. They didn't drop the dishes in the dishwasher. They forgot to get ready on time for the school bus and they missed it. I mean, it's all of the day-to-day -day problems. And if 
your approach to the day-to-day problems is to say, okay, you do that one more time, no TV. You do that one more time, you don't get your play dates. You do that one more time, when actually what you probably have is just a thoughtless behavior, not a punishable offense. And so, yes, of course, children are going to be thoughtless. So are adults. But if we can break out of the idea that being punitive is how we change behavior, then we open up a whole other possibility and we inspire children by, you know, being with them in it, teaching them the habits, learning the power of habit, all of those things. But unfortunately, when we see the behaviors and then we judge the behaviors as bad, wrong, and I have to teach you, then we justify. Oh, and the other one that I really like to bring up is you make me feel. Mm. And so blaming children for your feelings of being upset as if they caused it and sending them into the land of really victim blame consciousness. I blame other people for how I feel. I have no, you know, authority over my own feeling realm. It's everybody else who's responsible for my feelings. That's an age old problem that we really need to shift so that everybody begins to take responsibility for their own feelings. Catherine, God bless you. Right? Yeah, God bless you for that, because what people don't, uh, they may not understand is that when they do this, they evoke a programming that the kid becomes the next generation of that exact problem. Precisely. So I would like to invite you to be on my show again when I have your book in hand. I've read your book. Awesome. Fair enough? Oh, I'd love that. We're, yeah. we're going to go into rapid fire, and I know that you were not given the time that anyone would want to have to go into a, pro, a subject this big. So, Ava, you can... Talk to me and I'll be happy to help you with this book. It's awesome. And Catherine, you are amazing with this pro, uh, this topic and also the conversation, also causing future leaders. I mean, that's that's the point that is amazing about it. So we're going to go in rapid fire. We're going to go really quickly. And it's just going to be Ava and Catherine, I think, this time because uh, Sharon has said it's cool to go just the two of you. So I'm going to say a question. You say an answer and that's it. No elaboration. You ready? Okay. Book that changed your life, Ava. Diary of Anne Frank. Catherine. Um, uh, Alice Miller, um, Alice Miller's book. I talk about it all the time. It is. um, And how can people reach you while you're looking? How can people support you, Catherine? Go to actually freeparentingbook.com. I'll just give the book away. That's what I do. It's called Seven Strategies to Keep Your Relationship with Your Kids from Hitting the Boiling Point. And they can reach me through consciousparentingrevolution.com. Good. And we're going to come back to one more question. What is a quote you live by, Ava? I'm sorry? A quote you live by. quote that I live by. When in doubt, turn. Good. Catherine? Dr. Marshall Rosenberg, see your children beautiful. So we are out of time, unfortunately. This has been an amazing episode. Sharon Doyle, thank you so much for what you do. The International Women's Conference is coming up on the 8th of March. If you want to see the link and buy tickets and meet these amazing women and all the women will be on the show for the next four weeks, you are welcome to engage and embrace and most importantly, support these amazing messages. So this is Ken Rashan with Amplified, Keep Smiling Movement, Perfect Publishing. We will see you at the event, International Women's Conference, March 8th in Hollywood, California. See you next week. Stay amplified. We hope you've enjoyed this week's edition of Amplified. Be sure to join Ken Rashan again next Tuesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Now, go get your message heard. 